Welcome to the St. James Sermon Podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Well, as we begin, uh, I want to offer and extend my own Mother's Day greetings to all of you moms and you uh, mother figures out there, you women who impact and influence so many. I just, uh, every day, but especially on Mother's Day, just marvel at my own wife, if I can brag on her, not just for her being an amazing mom, but just the countless ways I've seen her be a mother figure to other people, especially women, even from her earliest days, just pouring into people, empowering people, just loving people, especially who were in difficult places in their lives. And uh, I just was delighted yesterday even that in the mail there was a card from one of those women who she had had a profound impact years ago and just continues to send her cards, and she calls her Robbie Mom um, because of the impact and influence she's had on her life. And I know there are many of you in a very similar way who have poured into other people. And how fitting with our passage uh, this morning uh, as we look at the implications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on our daily life today. Over these last several uh, weeks since Easter, we've been looking at what difference does the fact that Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago on the other side of the planet make in our daily life today? And we're seeing that it makes a tremendous difference the more we internalize the reality and its meaning in our lives. And we've seen it from different perspectives, haven't we? In some of these weeks that we've just been through, we've seen Jesus show up in people's lives after the resurrection. <laughs> and they saw him before, and then now they see him, and he's alive, and they realize uh, the difference. In fact, Jesus will share many, in many of those passages the difference his resurrection makes. Hey, I'm alive. Here's the difference it makes. Go and live your lives in light of the reality of my resurrection. But we've also seen it from the perspective of some of Jesus' first disciples who encountered him alive and, and discovered that he was alive, that he was physically, bodily risen. And it rocked their world, it changed everything in their lives and how they saw everything, and it began to live differently in their, in their lives. But today we're looking at a passage where Jesus is talking to his disciples before his death and his resurrection. He's in the upper room, actually, the night before. Uh, he is going to be arrested and then crucified, and then he will rise. And he's encouraging them. And, he's, and, and I believe he's telling them the personal implications of the resurrection because it's going to matter in these immediate hours and the next few days, not to mention beyond, as they experience the trauma and the challenges that they're going to experience in what unfolds next. And so in John chapter 14, beginning with verse 12, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I, will do, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but, but you know him, and he lives with you and will be in you. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Jumping to verse 25. All this I have spoken while I was with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement, for your empowering, for your promises, the nature of your love. And God, we pray that as we gather together today in person and online, that your spirit, the very spirit you promised, would fill us to overflowing, that we would experience what you have promised because Jesus you are risen and so we ask it Lord boldly in Jesus name amen these words of Jesus this promise of Jesus the impact of Jesus resurrection changes everything and he says that there are, there are at least two ways in this passage that Jesus promises the first is that he is going to give us power he is going to pour himself into us, literally, that we will be empowered by the Spirit. Jesus says that you will receive the Holy Spirit, that, that when he dies on the cross for the sins of the world, he is going to rise, He's, there is going to be the resurrection, but not only the resurrection, Jesus will ascend to heaven, and the purpose of his ascending to heaven is so that he will send the Holy Spirit to fill us. Now, there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? How do we think about the Holy Spirit? And, and the Bible is clear that, that we have one God in three persons. And it's a mystery. And I'm going to share more about that in a moment. But there is this mystery of who God is as one God made up of three persons. And that the third person of the Trinity is, is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible often appears when we see demonstrations of power. In fact, many verses in the Bible has the Holy Spirit and power, and those two come together. Even verse 2 of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. I mean, verse 1 is, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but then it says in verse 2, and the earth was formless and empty and dark, and there was chaos over in everything. And yet the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit who hovers over all of that darkness and emptiness and chaos, and he creates beauty and order and purpose. That the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God through the Holy Spirit creates the universe. And again and again throughout Scripture, we see this power of God through the Spirit, that, that Zephaniah says, it's not by my, my might or my, by my power, but it is by the Spirit of God that things happen. Because the Spirit of God is connected to the power of God. That the Holy Spirit is 
God. And we often think when we think about, well, the power of God, how do we think about the power of God? And unlike anything else or anyone else, theologians say that God is omnipotent, that God is all-powerful, and that is because of the work of the Spirit in creation, in our lives. And so then Jesus shows up. And as Jesus shows up, we see a picture of the Trinity at Jesus' baptism. Jesus is standing in the, in the River Jordan. He's standing in the water. There is Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. And yet the Father's voice is heard, right, saying, This is my Son, whom I love and am well pleased. Powerful, powerful words. But that's not all. We've got the Son and the Father. Then we see the Holy Spirit descending as a dove, the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And again and again throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus filled with the Spirit, Jesus filled with the Spirit, Jesus filled with the Spirit. And he's teaching in amazing ways beyond what anybody has ever experienced. He's performing miracles and accomplishing ministry beyond what anybody had imagined. His disciples were spellbound by all the things that they would see Jesus do. Raising people who were dead, walking on water, feeding 5,000 with just a little bit of food, on and on and on, but also the ways that he showed incredible love. And, and then Jesus rises from the dead. And we see the power of God in the Holy Spirit Raising Jesus from the dead. And then what is Jesus saying here? Before he goes to the cross, he encourages his disciples with these amazing words. He says, I am going to the Father so that you will receive the Holy Spirit. And whatever you ask for in my name, I will do that. And he says that I will give you another advocate that to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, and that he not only will live with you, but he will be in you. This is so powerful that the very spirit of Jesus is promised to us. Now, when Jesus rose from the dead, he, he was interacting with his disciples, and as the, his disciples began to wrap their minds around the reality that Jesus is risen and sitting right in front of them, they asked him, well, now that you're risen, is the kingdom of God going to come? And in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you don't you know, wait for my Holy Spirit, but in verse 8 he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That you will receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that's what happens, of course, at Pentecost. That the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples, falls on the church. People of all different countries who are following Jesus. And the Holy Spirit fills them with the very same power that filled Jesus. Not only so, but Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, he says, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. 
You see, Paul is making it very, very clear. The very same Spirit whose power raised Jesus from the dead is the Spirit of God who is living in you, who is alive in you. See, Jesus says in our passage in John 14, he says, because I live, you shall live also. Another way to translate that is because I am alive, you are now alive because of the Spirit of God. See, so often I think Christians struggle because we try to live our Christian life and our regular lives, our whole lives, on our own strength. And Jesus is saying, I have risen so that I may literally pour myself into you, that I may empower you with my strength, with my authority, with my life. See, it's one thing to know that Jesus is risen just in our own minds. It's another thing to know Jesus is risen because his Holy Spirit fills us, that we become people filled with the very Spirit of God, empowered. There's something powerful, isn't it, when somebody empowers you, when you experience the empowerment, when somebody shows up. You may have an idea, for example, and you say, you know, I've got this great idea for our neighborhood, for our community, for our city, for our state, for maybe for our world. I've got this great idea. And you share this idea. And somebody says, well, that's a great idea, Wayne, but who are you? I mean, how is that going to happen? But then all of a sudden, you know, the mayor hears about it and stands with you, or the governor of the state hears about it and says, that's a great idea, and stands with you, or the president of your country hears about that and says, that's a great idea, I stand with you, and let's make that happen. All of a sudden, you are empowered because somebody is with you. We have the Holy Spirit who created the universe. We have the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, who is not only with us, but he empowers us by filling us. And as Jesus did by sending his spirit on that first Pentecost, the world has never been the same. The question is not, do I have all the Holy Spirit there is to have? The question becomes, does the Holy Spirit have all of me that he wants? Do we have do we recognize the reality? The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead has been sent to fill our lives. And what does that look like? Well, Paul tells us there's the fruit of the spirit that many of you know. In Galatians 5, he says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified in the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And in Galatians, Paul just keeps saying again, you're either living by our flesh, doing your own thing, or you're walking with the Spirit. And he wants us to be filled with the Spirit of God that empowers us to live lives that continue to rock this world he's called us to. Now, the second thing that Jesus says here about the implications of the resurrection, he said, I'm going to the cross and I'm going to rise again and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And then he uses this interesting language. He says, 
in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, very parental language. I will come to you, and before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Let me say that again. On that day, you will realize, you will experience, that word means, that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now, that sounds like, I mean, that's powerful language. The intimacy between the Father and the Son, and now Jesus and us, that we can have this intimate relationship with God. But as we think about this triune God, as we think about the Trinity, as we think about the nature of God, I think it's important to understand what Jesus is saying because if you're like me, I can read a verse like that and say, that sounds so nice, that sounds so beautiful, I just don't understand it. I don't know what that means. What does it mean that he is in the Father and the Father is in him and he is in me and I am in him? And what, it, what exactly does that mean? And I think the picture of this is a powerful picture of the triune God. That God is one God made up of three persons. And it's such a powerful imagery and yet it's a mystery. It's hard for us to wrap our mind around the mystery. How can God be one but at the same time three? And I actually love the dynamic of the Trinity and the mystery of it because if we think we can comprehend the fullness of who God is, then whoever that God is isn't actually God because God is beyond our comprehension. I love that God is a mystery, that God is one God made up of these three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they interact interdependently, and there's this dynamic nature of love. There is this sense of community that God is relationship, that God is love. In fact, the Bible says God is love. Now think about that. If God was just one but not in three persons, then we could say, well, God is loving because a person can be loving or that God loves, and that's great, especially if we are the recipient of God's love, but how can God be love if God is one and not made up of three persons? See, what the Bible reveals is the nature of God is this dynamic interdependent relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That the Trinity means that God is this community, this dynamic love relationship of equals that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there is this interaction. And we see that throughout Jesus' life and ministry. We see Jesus pointing to the Father. I am here to glorify the Father. I'm here to do as the Father has sent me to do. And yet he promises also the Holy Spirit. He says not only that, there is the Holy Spirit who is coming. And what is the role of the Holy Spirit? Well, we're told in John 14, 15, and 16, the role of the Holy Spirit is to point to Jesus, to point people to Jesus, to glorify Jesus. There is this dynamic interdependent relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is love because the essence of the nature of God, the triune God, is love. God is not only loving, God is love. And we have this powerful relationship that we see. 
And so Jesus is saying, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and you are in me, and I am in you. And what we discover here is that we are being invited into this dynamic, interdependent relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He invites us into the, such an intimate relationship that actually he intended for Adam and Eve in the beginning, but now invites us to join with God in the intimacy that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit experience. Well, that just, are you kidding me? You're inviting me in? Greg Ogden, in a book called Essential Guide to uh, becoming a disciple, fantastic uh, stu Bible study that we've gone through several times. We've had small groups go through this. It's a fantastic Bible study. He captures this. He gets at this when he says, imagine if, if you grew up in a home that, uh, I mean, everybody loved each other, but everybody kind of did their own thing, and you didn't share family meals together, that everybody would just kind of grab and go and eat on the run and just kind of do their own thing, and that that was your experience. That's what you assumed everybody did, and then somebody, a friend of yours, invites you over to their house for dinner, and as you sit down at the table, the father says, it is so good to have you join us. We love having you here. And then as the meal gets served, people uh, enjoy the food, but even more, you, you just watch people enjoying each other. People are listening to each other's stories. They're not interrupting. They're laughing. There's this uh, genuine interest in what's happening in each other's lives and encouraging each other and building each other up. And as you're sitting there enjoying the meal, I mean, the food's fine, but you're just taken back by the nature of this kind of loving family dynamic around the table, and you might say to yourself, I didn't know this was possible. I didn't realize that, that this kind of an experience was even possible. And then as they begin to clear the plates and all, the mom says, of course it's mom, the mom says, hey, it's so great having you with us. You are always welcome." We love having you here, and you can join us anytime you like. You can be part of what we just experienced anytime you want, and we'll consider you part of the family. What a powerful moment. And you say, I want to be a part of that. That's what God is inviting us to by sending the Holy Spirit. He's inviting us into that dynamic relationship of intimacy with Jesus. It's not just knowing that Jesus rose. It's because he rose and he sends the Holy Spirit that we enter into that dynamic, intimate relationship. It's what John wrote about in the very beginning of uh, 1 John chapter 1, he's talking about the resurrection. And he's saying all we're sharing is what we've seen and what we've touched and what we've heard. And that because we've seen Jesus risen, he's all of those things that our senses engage. And in verse 3 he says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And he says, my joy would be complete if you become part of that. Have you ever thought about your relationship with God with that kind of intimacy? That that's the heart of God. That we don't just know about him or even that Jesus rose. But because he rose, 
we're called as disciples into this community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and with each other. That this is the part of the experience, being the body of Christ, the church, entering in this together. So I want to invite you and ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe that you are filled with the Spirit of God? Jesus says, one, I think one of the most amazing things he ever said, when not, he not only said we're filled with the Spirit, he said, you know all those things you've seen me do? You know, the teaching and the miracles and those things that just kind of blew people's mind and saw that the kingdom of God was breaking into the kingdoms of this world? He said, what you've seen me do, you will now do because the Holy Spirit is in you. Uh-oh. I mean, it's one thing to have one Jesus walking around. What happens when we have thousands, millions of people empowered with the very Spirit of God? He says, not only will you uh, do the very things I've done, you will do even greater things. That's his invitation. Every Sunday, the last words you hear me say are from Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine. How? According to his power. What is that from? His spirit. At work in you. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Why? Because he is sending us out. As the Father has sent me, so I send you with my spirit. Because Jesus is risen. And as I send you out, I send you out in a way that you are part of my love relationship with the Father and the Spirit. That no matter what we face out there, we know we are loved. We are included. We are welcome. We are his disciples. Is there anything more powerful? So, I want to ask you individually, but then us together, as this pandemic moves behind us, and as we move into all that God has us together, what is the frame of mind that we enter into that future with? What is the frame of mind that we enter into this pandemic-shaped uh, world? What is the level of peace? Jesus says, the peace I have, I give to you, not as the world gives. I give it to you because you are now filled with the Spirit and and motivated by my love to make a difference. So how do you, how do we move from where we've been to what God has ahead of us? What is the frame of mind? Well, everything's different because Jesus is risen. Will you pray with me? Lord, you give us the blessing it boggles our mind. You give us the blessing of filling us with your spirit. The very spirit that created the universe. The very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And Lord, as we look out at our world, we see a lot of brokenness. We see a lot of pain. We see a lot of death. We see a lot of injustice. And we see a desperate need for your spirit to fill us. 
far more than a vaccine, Lord, we pray that your spirit would be so injected and fill us that we would be empowered as an unstoppable force of your love pushing back wherever evil exists, pushing back wherever loneliness and despair and brokenness exists. Lord, help us wherever we are, no matter what our age, no matter what our uh, resources or limitations or challenges, Lord, that we have your spirit, we have your love, and there is nothing that can stop us from accomplishing your purposes because when we ask in your name, you give us a boldness and a courage because you are risen. Lord, renew our imaginations today. Break them open from the confines of what we have contained. Help us see and touch and hear with new senses. Lord, make us your contagious people. Contagious with your love that the world will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. St. James is a Presbyterian church located in Littleton, Colorado. Find us on the web at www.sjprez.org or email us at contact at sjprez.org.